Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we talk about the defensive player of the year and some quarterback prospects. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by Evan Winter. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at Evan underscore Winter, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Evan, did I get your Twitter handle right? Yeah, of course, man. It's thankfully for uh, all y'all out there who have to give out my Twitter handle. It's an easy one. So you got it right. You're good. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because Bailey throws a wrench in everything without having the underscore. And Bailey, buddy, I love you. You stepped up a lot the past couple of weeks and I appreciate it. But put an underscore in your Twitter handle. It just I have to say it so many times then then I question myself. But Evan, it's a pleasure to have you on, buddy. You're you're filling in your normal Thursday slot here and uh and yeah, you and I don't get to record together very often, so I'm pretty excited to get this episode. Uh, you know, get it going. Yeah, man, it's been it's been it's been a minute, so it's it's refreshing to hear your voice uh, on the other side of the the wall, so to speak. Not that I don't mind hearing David's, but you know, it's always good hanging with Big Daddy Yarko every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly have plenty to talk about, and and we had somebody send in a voicemail, which actually coincides beautifully with something with an idea you and I were throwing around about talking about because there's something you've been diving into for bucks nation that'll be coming up and we'll get to that in a minute but let's go ahead and kick things off with this voicemail and uh see what one of our wonderful listeners has to say hey james hey david this is adam from coming georgia again just giving the call in love you guys show um just calling about um i know everybody was upset about um john lynch gets snubbed but I'm a little upset about Shaq Barry getting subbed for uh, the defensive player of the year. I mean, he clearly had the numbers, um, and I know credit is due where credit is due, And but I just wanted to see your guys' take on that. Um, you guys are doing a great job. I listen every day, and as always, go Bucks. All right. We certainly appreciate the, uh, the call there, Adam, and um, – Evan, we we saw the the award show, and and of course Bailey and I talked about the Pro Football Hall of Shame. And one thing that we we did not discuss in any of the episodes so far this week is the fact that Shaq Barrett did not win Defensive Player of the Year. Instead, that went to Stephen Gilmore of the New England Patriots. I know a lot of Steelers fans are outraged that it didn't go to T.J. Watt, but when you take a look at the year that Shaquille Barrett had, led the league in sacks was just an absolute terror for opposing offenses. Do you feel like Shaq Barrett was snubbed for defensive player of the year, or do you think the the NFL got it right? Just going off of instinct, gut feeling, I'm going to say yes. And damn it, James, I'm so disappointed in myself. I should have looked this up before. I was just too engulfed with um, the other stuff we're going to be talking about. I wonder how many guys have led the uh, – how many league leaders in sacks. And wait, I have looked this up. Um, I think since like 2001, if I'm remembering correctly, everybody go ahead and get out your phone, start Googling all this stuff, you know, whatever. But I think only two times has the, has the uh, sack leader not been given defensive player of the year. I think it was Derek Burgess back in like 2010 and then DeMarcus Ware for some crazy reason. I know that's hard to believe uh, a few years after that. So it, there's there's a little bit of a history there. But overall, 
it's pretty much a trend that whoever leads leads the league in sacks, it's hard to say, whoever leads the league in sacks um, typically gets defensive player of the year. I think, man, honestly, and defensive player of the year is a year-to-year award, so it shouldn't matter what you do in the past. Man, I think, honestly, this year it was just a matter of names. That's why Shaq was snubbed. Um, when you look at Stephon Gilmore, he's been around, plus he plays on the Patriots. He's arguably the best cornerback in the league. Um, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from him. He was definitely – he's probably the, next, the guy I would have had right behind Shaq um, for defensive player of the year. But then you got Chandler Jones. He's been around for a while. He used to play for the Patriots as well. And, of course, T.J. Watt, who's good in his own right but plays for the Steelers. So, so all of these guys, you know, then you're talking about Shaq, who just burst onto the scene in 2019. So, yeah, overall, I think he was snubbed, and I think a lot of that had to do just because he's not a name. I mean, obviously, he's a name now, but um, I think that had a lot to do going into this, and that's a that's a that's a shame. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back to the argument that Bailey and I were making about John Lynch. You know, you you don't have the name recognition yet with Shaq Barrett, and then he's also playing on a small market team didn't make the playoffs, had a losing record. Yeah, it, it's it's not going to garner the attention that a Gilmore or a Watt is going to when you're playing for New England, when you're playing for Pittsburgh, the scales kind of tip in your favor a little bit. And we see it not just in awards, not just in enshrinements, but we see it in NFL scheduling. You take a look at, at the team that got screwed over the most as far as, as the schedule was concerned. Well, it was Tampa Bay. You take a look at the at the teams that are on prime time or the game of the week the most. It's the NFC East. It's Pittsburgh. It's New England. It's Kansas City. And at the beginning of the season, it was Cleveland because everyone bought into the offseason hype, including the NFL. They thought, here we go. Baker Mayfield is a marketable guy. He's in a bunch of commercials. They got Odell Beckham Jr. They have an up and coming defense. You know, this is, you know, we're, we're going to showcase these guys in prime time. So, you know, once again, Tampa Bay kind of gets the snub because they are a small market team. They they don't sell out their stadium. Half the stadium is filled with opposing teams fans because let's be honest with ourselves. Bucks fans don't want to pay money for a team that isn't winning and opposing team fans are going to make it a destination to go there to see their team and have a little wintertime vacation. You're going to get the people from New York and Green Bay and and Pennsylvania because they want to get out of the cold for a week and go enjoy some sunshine and, and take the kids to Disney and whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think Shaq was, was snubbed. I do think he had the numbers. I do think he had the credibility to win that award. And quite frankly, I'm also not surprised that he got overlooked. See, like I can I can understand, you know, not giving Tampa primetime games, um, you know, all that other stuff just because they have commercials, they've got ads, they have ratings, they have to sell stuff. Um, but individual awards don't sell tickets. I mean, that's pretty simple. The only awards that sell tickets are the AFC, NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. I sure. mean, so when, when it comes to actual individual awards, your name, who you play for, the franchise – None of that should matter. It should matter what you do or what you did that year, and then you build from that point. That should be the weight. I mean, if this was going to be some kind of formula where, you know, a certain percentage of, you know, a prerequisite costs this much, so on and so forth, then what you did that year should be like 85% of the formula. I mean, it's just that simple. But, you know, whatever. What do we know? Right, yeah. I mean, as you as you said, it shouldn't matter, but I do believe that it it – matters oh, a great matters. deal to oh, the yeah. NFL. 
Oh, definitely. You're absolutely right. 100%. So, and that kind of leads into something that you've been working on, Evan, for Bucks Nation, and, and everyone needs to keep an eye out for this, is kudos to Jason Light and Bruce Arians for finding a guy like Shaquille Barrett, because even the Buccaneers social media pages posted a video of fans reactions to the announcement of Shaq signing. And people were saying, you know, who's that? What a waste of money. Why are we signing some backup? Yada, yada, yada. You know, the Bucks <laughs> go out, they sign him for one year, uh, you know, $3 million. He got another uh, million dollars in, in bonuses. And you've, you've been working on, how the Bucks can find the next Shaq Barrett. And quite frankly, I'm fascinated to, to see what you uncover because I don't believe you can find another Shaq Barrett. It's so hard to find a player in the NFL to play to such a high level. And I'm not even talking about signing someone that's going to set franchise records in his first year, but to play to the level that Shaq Barrett played and to be able to find that diamond in the rough that's not common. That's not easy, or every team would be able to do it. So, you know, for all the for all the hatred and and all of the name calling that the fans do towards Jason Light, um, you know, for missing on this free agent or that draft pick or whatever the case may be, pause a minute and appreciate the fact that he does find guys like Shaq Barrett or Ali Marpet or uh, you know Carl Matthew. Carl Nass, Cameron Bray, that was the name I was searching for and, and couldn't find. Adam Humphreys, who you know got a huge deal with with your Tennessee Titans. So you know for every for every miss, there's a hit. It just seems like people want to put a microscope on on the misses to try to justify you know a guy losing his job, which I just don't agree with. So you're absolutely right. There's no way we can find a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, sack leader, you know, league sack leader, so on and so forth. That was Shaq Barrett. Uh, there's no way to do that. The the standpoint, or well, no way to possibly do that with, you know, absolute confidence. Um, so the standpoint I'm coming from is I'm going through, and my God, this is so much work. It is so much <laughs> more work than I thought it was going to be. I, I knew it was going to be work, but Lord. But anyways, it's fun, and I mean, I'm learning about it as well, and it's going to help with um, our upcoming 30 and 30 uh, free agents that we're going to be doing. Um, but anyway, so the standpoint I'm coming from is a player who has flashed in maybe like over a three- or four-year span, um, not necessarily an undrafted free agent, but probably like a day three pick, day four or round four, round five, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but for some reason, just haven't quite put it all together yet, whether it be buried behind on a depth chart, a little bit of injury issues, just not figuring it out as a player, but still showing potential. That's just, and, and then they can maybe sign a one year prove it deal like Shaq did that and then he heavily contrib contribute in 2020. That's kind of the standpoint I'm coming from, if that makes sense. So, um, man, really, I've only found one name that I'm absolutely sold on right now. So I'll talk to him about him for a little bit. And then I'll just kind of give the four or five other names that I found so far going through like these 50, 50 guys that I've gone through so far. Uh, so far. Um, and just keep in mind that I'm not going to exclude any exclusive free right agents um, because – they are only allowed – basically, that's like putting the franchise tag. Um, if you tender somebody like that, they are they can't negotiate with any other teams. They basically have to play with that team or sign that team's contract, if I understand that correctly. So, anyways, 
Um, the, the one guy that I'm certain that I'm going to put on this list is Jatavis Brown. He's an outside linebacker for the Chargers. Uh, fifth round pick out of Akron or Akron, sorry, in 2016. Um, CBS is saying he's not likely to return in 2020 uh, with the Chargers. Has started in 23 games, uh, appeared in over 56 games through his career, uh, 260 total tackles in his career, 14 tackles for loss, three forced fumbles, 12 pass deflections, and four and a half sacks. He started um, the entire 2018 season, uh, recorded 97 tackles, um, had, I believe, uh, one sack, yeah, and then um, 61 of those 97 combined tackles were solo tackles. So had a really pretty decent year in 2018. He was named to the 2016 NFL All-Rookie Team. That included um, players like Deion Jones, Yannick Ngagwe, Jalen Ramsey, um, Vernon Hargraves the third was on that list, so Yikes. that might drag. Yeah, that might drag that list down just a little bit. But he was named amongst good company. Um, had a really odd season in 2019. He, you know, like I said, uh, NFL All Rookie in 2016 was starting in 2018, but apparently he's had some injury problems. Um, had a foot injury in 2017 that held him uh, back quite a bit. He actually only started um, in five games that year after getting named to the all-rookie team in 2016. Um, and then even though when he was healthy last year, he was in inactive – or he was a healthy scratch, rather, for like the last three games. So you're definitely going to be taking on a little bit of a risk with this guy, but he has shown potential. I haven't gotten into his tape study yet. That's also what I'm going to do whenever I finalize my list of three to five guys. I'm going to add some gifs and all that good stuff to kind of show what I'm talking about. But as far as I can tell, he's pretty decent in the run game. He's okay in coverage. You're not really going to expect an outside linebacker to uh, be very good in coverage, though. Um, and that I think he would be a really, really good depth player, maybe even, you know, a guy that can come in on rotation like uh, Carl Nassib and help in run support and all that good stuff. Um, he made $2 million in 2019, but that was coming off of a four-year, $2.5 million deal, deal he signed as a rookie. So I think, man, if you get him in here for maybe one year, 2 to $3 million, I, I don't think he would be a bad target at all. No, that, that sounds outstanding to me. And and I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to about that column now, I don't know if you're going to restrict it to that front seven, but I'd be interested to see if you can find someone on the back end, maybe at, oh, I don't know, free safety, uh, that yeah. could come in and, and help this team out, especially at an affordable price. And, and you know, we'll see the Bucks take a couple of risks like that again, where they can get these guys on, on the short-term prove-it deals, you know, Shaq did it and proved it. Brashad Perryman, he signed the same kind of deal and, and people were gunning for him to be kicked off this team. And he came on strong in the, in the second half of the season. So it looks like some of these deals are, are paying off a little bit for the bucks. And for a guy like Shaq, you know, he's gone on record as saying that he wants to stay in Tampa Bay and, and he appreciates the opportunity that Bruce Arians and Jason light provided for him. And that's why he, really wants to be back. He wants to play for the people that gave him the chance to start and gave him the chance to prove what he can do. And when you find guys like that, they become loyal to that franchise. They become loyal to that coach and they want to stay there because that's where it really kickstarted everything. So imagine how much these teams are going to have to pay for a guy that just played for, for $4 million you know, he's he's going to get a big chunk of change, and it's it's going to come from Tampa one way or another. 
Absolutely. And yeah, man, you're just in luck. Um, this whole kind of project I'm doing applies to every position. Um, every Excellent. So, and yeah, so speaking of a couple different um, players at different positions that I'm doing or that I have right now, uh, two wide receivers that I've looked at real quick. Nice. Um, they, yeah, David Moore from Seattle and Tajay Sharp from right here, my Tennessee Titans, as you like to say. Uh, man, I think they would be really good in a third or fourth role. Um, David Moore is actually a guy, I believe David Harrison um, profiled before the Seahawks game. I think he might have been um, his X Factor or enemy to know uh, one of the two for the Seahawks. But regardless, Tajay Sharp, man, real good possession receiver, can come up with those grimy catches like that uh, Bruce Arians likes to talk about, can work over the middle, can also is a really good red zone threat. Um, he had that really nice touchdown catch uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, like, yeah, I think it was the Ravens. Either way, he had a really nice touchdown catch um, in the playoffs. He also caught the touchdown against the Titans, the second one, or against the Bucks. sorry, the second one in the corner of the end zone. A uh, real tall guy, not much speed, but like I said, can work it over the middle. David Moore, a little bit more of a deep threat. Um, but I, if he can stay healthy, injuries with him are kind of the big deal right now. But then I also looked at, man, this guy is a huge risk, but you want to talk about a prove-it deal. Artie Burns, cornerback out Ooh. of Pittsburgh. Yeah, yes. man, I mean – First round pick, so you know nowhere even close to an undrafted free agent. But he is talk about somebody who needs to prove it. Um, speculation all year last year, heading into 2019, if he was even going to make the team, if they were going to trade him, so on and so forth. Uh, Pittsburgh didn't even pick up his fifth year option, which was going to be worth about nine million dollars this year. So you might be able to sign him for maybe around on a one year six or seven million dollar. Uh, prove it deal. Now that's a big risk, especially considering that um, Tampa Bay has a pretty decent stable of corners and they could use that money elsewhere. But man, that's a guy who if he if you can just get him motivated, which hopefully he's already motivated, but get him even more motivated and just get his feet on the ground. That Those are some guys that could especially Burns that might be able to make a difference. Yeah, I'm I'm a I was a big fan of Burns coming out uh, back when. Yeah, when when David and I were at the pewter plank and we started doing this 40 prospects in 40 days, um, I had to do the profile on Artie Burns and I came away really impressed. There are a lot of these guys that I do have preconceived notions of, which is why these these spotlights and profiles are so much fun, because I'll go in with preconceived notions and come away convinced of of something completely opposite, whether I went in expecting to love the guy or I've gone in expecting to to not be very impressed burns was one of those guys i went in i was like i don't know if i'm if i'm really going to be too impressed with him and and turned out i was and that's why i typically i don't think i did it this year when i when i sent out the the sheet of the of the people that we're going to be covering i usually give myself one ohio state player just <laughs> to force myself to push my bias aside again i don't think i did it this year i did make sure that that david got you know as an Ohio State guy, I made sure you got a Tennessee guy, made sure Bailey got someone from LSU and UCF. Um, you know, I, I I do try to to let people because we spend a lot of time on these. And so, you know, it's nice to sit down and watch somebody from the college that you root for. And um, and I think I know I gave you someone for our free agent profiles. Give me Jack Conklin, the right tackle for the Titans. Trust I me, I spotted, I spotted that immediately. <laughs> but didn't I also give you Teddy? Yes, yes, and Bridgewater, yes, as well. Yes, yes sir. and I did that intentionally to see to see if you would come away with a changed mic. I know you're not a big fan of the idea of of Teddy playing under Bruce Arians, so I do try to do that with 
with everyone, not just myself. I do try to see if, you know, maybe once they really start to deep dive in, maybe we'll come away with a different opinion than we went into it with. Always. And that's always a good test and, and for a, or a self-experimentation or you never, Hey man, learning is, is growing and growing is always a good thing. Can't, can't go wrong with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Teddy Bridgewater, uh, and the position that he plays, you know, on yesterday's episode, Bailey and I talked about the four, uh, quote unquote, big free agent quarterbacks that, that are potentially on the Bucks radar, according to Stroud. And we ranked them from most, or I'm sorry, from least likely to most likely to be under center for the Bucks in 2020. And that of course was Philip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. But Evan, we're going to take it a step further because in that article also, Rick Stroud had talked about how you know he's hearing the Bucks are taking a quarterback in the 2020 draft because it's it is something that needs to be addressed whether they bring Jameis back or not it is something that needs to be addressed you know Ryan Griffin may be out the door so we've gone ahead and we've written down a couple of quarterbacks that we would we would like or believe that the Bucks would target in each day of the draft. So why don't we go ahead and start things off with day one? These are obviously going to be a little more well-known names, but Evan, who do you have as, as some of the day one guys that the bucks could look at as far as a uh, quarterback? So I'm just going to go over three scenarios. Um, one is them moving up to take a guy, uh, them taking a guy at 14, um, and then them trading back in to the, into the first round to take a guy. Um, my dream, the one severe scenario I want to avoid at all costs is taking a guy at 14. Um, just have what we've seen from mock drafts. And obviously this could all change before this is before free agency. But anyway, um, we've seen Jacob Eason here, especially a lot lately. I mean, you wrote yeah. about it, Matt Miller. That's just scary, man. That is absolutely terrifying. And, but anyway, and he's yeah. not the only one that I saw. I went through nope. a couple other mock drafts today. There was like three CBS or four. Had one. Yeah. yeah. CBS had one. There were like three or four mock drafts that I saw that had Eason at 14. Yes. I think NFL.com. It's, it's terrifying, man. So let's try to get that out of our heads real quick. Um, so let's say Tampa Bay moved into the top five. Let's just say they fall in love with Tua, man, and they want to go with him. Oh, please um, no. Yeah, I would I would be okay with it just because it signals that they're ready to go all, all in on this guy. Um, I don't think that means they've signed a veteran quarterback, or maybe they have at this point, and they just feel like two is that guy that could bridge and wouldn't make much sense. But anyways, um, I would just like it because it's an aggressive move, but that means they're going to have to spend a boatload when it comes to draft capital. So that I'm not too big of a fan of. When you look at certain moves like that, um, really – one that comes to mind immediately is when the Falcons moved up to uh, get Julio Jones, they had to give up their first round pick. So the Bucks would give up their 14th. Um, then the Falcons also had to give up a second and a fourth round pick of that year, a first in 2020 and a fourth in 2020. Now, I don't think it's going to be anything like that because the Falcons were moving from 27th. Um, and if you look at the draft value chart, Tampa Bay's 14th round or 14th overall pick is 1100 points. Um, let's say they move up to fourth. I think the Giants, I think that's pretty realistic. I mean, the Giants, you know, they could they could use a couple marquee draft picks at a couple areas, but they've got their quarterback. They've got their running back. They've got an okay receiving core. They've got some decent offensive linemen. Um, I don't really know if there's a pass rusher they can take that high because Chase Young's going to be gone by then. So, anyways, uh, their fourth overall pick is worth 1,800 points. 
So you're only 700 points behind at that point. So you're looking at maybe dra- also trading the second round pick and the third round pick, which to me would be a lot. But you could also throw in maybe a first round 2021 pick or a second round 2021 pick to go with the other two picks I just mentioned. Like I said, still a lot. But uh, that's that's who I want to see on day one if they do it that way. Um, I don't want them taking Justin Herbert. Don't want them moving up to take him. Don't want them moving up to take Love. Um, if they have to take somebody at fourteen, God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So let's just I don't I haven't even thought about that. But moving <laughs> back into <laughs> moving back into the first, um, if they do it that way, I would be okay if they move back into the first and take Jace, uh, Jacob Easton. If they took him in the late first, I would be okay with that. Um, that's, that's the only realistic guy who's going to be there. So the ideal situation for me, if that happens is they trade back and then trade back from 14 to like, let's say 22 or something, and then use those extra picks to trade back into the first and get Eason or whoever, but man, most mock drafts I've seen Eason's been going in the mid second. So why would they, you know, why would they trade up or why would they even entertain the idea of taking him at 14? That doesn't make any sense. It's exactly what we talked about before we started recording, and that is when it comes to the quarterback position, teams will reach to make sure they get their guy. So, and and I I didn't mean, and I didn't mean he's going second most. He's like the sixth rated prospect. Sorry, that's what I meant. Right. Well, and I saw. I can't remember who it was. It might have been on CBS Sports. Might have been on NBC's. Um, mock draft, but they had him rated higher than Jordan Love. I want to say they had him as the fourth best quarterback behind, obviously, um, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and then, yeah, and then they had Eason. In terms of overall talent, I can get that, but man, his mechanics and just. He just and he's just not he hasn't done anything special with all that talent. And that's just that's what worries me the most about him. But you know, I'm not I'm no evaluator, so I could be completely off. Yeah, well, and and I'm with you. I'm I don't want to see the Bucks trade up at all. And and I'm of the belief that as far as day one guys, if the Bucks pick one at 14, I would be more comfortable with Jordan Love being that pick yeah. at 14 than I would be yeah. Eason. Um, I don't think Love gets past the Colts. I really truly don't. Uh, I don't think so either. It sounds like the Colts are really head over heels in love with that kid. And then also, exact same way you are. If the Bucks trade back in to the end of that of that first round, you know, starting maybe around 24, 25, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And it won't cost nearly as much as it would uh, you know, jumping from 14 up into the top five. And you have those teams in in the latter part of the first round that do like to trade back you have teams like new england teams like seattle they like to you know move around a lot compile a lot of mid-round picks uh so i don't think honestly the price would be as steep uh if if the bucks did that and at that point yeah i'm perfectly fine with seeing them take jacob eason he does have that big arm he would fit you know as far as you know, what we've seen so far, he he seems like he would fit well within a Bruce Arians offense. But as you said, there are some things that need to be worked out, but that's where that whole bridge veteran plus draft pick, you know, scenario plays out where exactly he's yeah, Eason's not getting thrown into the fire on on week one. You're gonna have somebody else there to take those snaps while Eason learns the system. Then by 2021, you're talking about if he's gonna start or not. 
Yeah, and three examples, and there is recently as last year, I was looking this up, um, you know, in prep for the show, um, what it might cost to get back into the first round. Um, well, actually, I'm going to scratch this Redskins one because the Colts moved up to 26, which I feel like the Bucks wouldn't have to go that high. But listen to this. Last year, I forgot about this. The Colts gave up their second round pick in 2019, which was I think it was the 52nd overall, and a 2020 second round pick to move up to 26 or the red sorry the redskins moved up to get the 26 pick and all they all they gave up were two second round picks to the Colts. yeah one in 2019 one 2020 but anyways um last year so the giants moved up to the 30th pick the hawks the seahawks got the 37th pick which is obviously the second round um the 132nd pick in the fourth round then the 142nd pick in the fifth round and then the falcons they moved up to the 31st spot. They also got a sixth round pick with that, but it cost them uh, the 45th overall pick, which is Tampa's second pick, um, and the 79th. So there's all different kinds of ways to swing it. Um, They could give up a second, a fourth, and maybe a later round pick, but it's probably going to cost about a second and a third or something along those lines for them to move back up into the first round. Yeah, and and the reason that they do that, of course, is to be able to get that fifth year option on exactly. a quarterback. You know, you're not as I realize some teams do it, but you're you're not going to be giving up a ton to move back into the first round to get uh, you know, a running back or a tight end or something like that. Teams are going to want that fifth year option for that quarterback, and I realize again, obviously, teams have moved back into the first round to get other positions. Uh, but for a quarterback, it's it's key to get that fifth year in there. You know, you're it, it allows you to pay them a little bit less money for an additional year. You can continue to build around them before they start making the big time money. Um, all right, Evan, what what kind of day two guys were you looking at? Because I, I only have two. Yeah, I'm pretty much there right with you. Hopefully everybody um, comes with their senses and Jacob Eason's there. So it's kind of even I have like a half a guy and maybe one and a half. I'm the um, same way. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's the ideal scenario because I would not mind taking him in the second round. And obviously, I don't know if we prefaced this whole thing with this or not, but for those listening, we're assuming that if the quarterbacks, what, or if the Bucks draft a quarterback, what, in rounds one through three, that most likely they're doing the veteran option, correct? Jameis Winston's right. gone, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Yeah, so um, so yeah, Easton in the second. And then, man, it was a coin flip between Jalen Hurts or, or uh, Jake Fromm. I honestly wouldn't want to see either one of them in the second round. But if we had to go with one of them, because like I said, Easton's kind of a half, um, I would, I'd rather see Jalen Hurts, man. I really would. And it's funny you say that because I had the same conundrum and I went with Fromm. <laughs> I mean, it was a coin flip, man, either way. And I could see why you would go with Fromm. So totally. his arm is just the only thing that worries me in the offense. So yeah, outside, of that, outside of that, I like the guy. It's not the strongest thing in the world, but then, you know, you kind of look at, and, and of course I didn't do any kind of deep film dive or anything, but, right. but you take a look at him and it seems like, you know, he's pretty solid at the decision-making makes high percentage throws. This is a guy that yep. in three years with Georgia, had 78 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. And yep. when you're playing it for Georgia in the SEC, you're not going up against scrub defenses. Like you're going against, you know, at least what, two to three future NFL players every single week. 
Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people want to talk about his down year being like how he was so down this year in 2019. Well, it just so happens that Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator that had been there with him for two out of his three years, came to Tennessee. And so, you know, I mean, that's that's definitely a factor. You don't want to put a whole lot of stock into that, but that certainly can take you a step back or two, um, especially in a year like a crucial year, like your junior year. Yeah, and I love how they the he gets labeled of as a, having a down year when he passed for more yards than he had the previous two years, had a career <laughs> low in interceptions. Um, but the big thing is, is he also had a career high in pass attempts. You know, so that's that's kind of where that down year comes in. You know, he dropped from a sixty-seven and a half percent completion percentage down to a sixty point eight. But you know, he still threw for twenty eight hundred yards. 24 touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, Bia had had 78 more pass attempts than he did his uh, sophomore year there in 2018. What was his yards per attempt? Do you, do you have in front of you? 7.4 down from nine yards per attempt, wow. both, both 2017 and 2018. Nine yards per attempt, and then it dropped to 7.4 in 2019. That's interesting because you would think that maybe – the lower completion percentage, but higher yards and higher attempts maybe resulted him in taking more down the field shots. But that's interesting and less safer throws. But that's interesting consent that his completion percentage went down, his attempts and his yards went up, but his yards per attempt went down. That's interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, yeah, but uh, also my my other name. I was I was with you. If if Eason drops to to day two, you know I could see the Bucks making a move to to move up and get one of those like top top two or three picks for uh, you know as far as day day two is concerned, and you know be able to draft Eason at the beginning of round two rather than you know holding out hope that he drops all the way to them. You know, it, whatever, I think it's 45 that they're picking. All right. So, Evan, let's talk about day three, guys. And again, I only really have two of them. Um, I'm not sure if if you found some more because to me, if the Bucks are drafting a quarterback, I think it's going to have to come in the in those first two days. Otherwise, you're drafting a guy that may not even end up in the roster. And, you know, you you're signing a veteran, um, you know, with this hypothetical plan that we have here um they'd be signing a veteran is, is a round four through seven guy going to come in and beat out ryan griffin is, is he going to come in and beat out uh blaine gabbard yeah it, to me it seems unlikely but there are a couple of guys and and you just never know with some of these quarterbacks that may be able to transition to the nfl game so what do you have as far as day three yeah i mean Gardner gardner Minshew last year is a perfect example but um so day three gets a little tricky, you know, because you can go into later rounds and all that good stuff and you get project guys. But like you're saying, the meat, uh, the impact of the the pick needs to be probably at least in the fourth round um, if they want to have any kind of substantial impact um, in 2020. But you never know, like we said. Um, and man, it's probably going to shock a lot of people. But I would totally roll with Steven Montez um, early on day three, quarterback out of Colorado, 6'4", 240. He's got a hell of an arm. He's got he runs a four eight forty, so he's somewhat mobile, um, and he's got huge hands, man nine nine point four inch hands. Um, he's just you just never really know what's going on in his head 
kind of sounds familiar, right? Uh, <laughs> and that's really his biggest thing. Um, he may, can have really bad decision-making, but he's got all the physical tools. He has shown – he has made a hell of a throws up at Colorado. Um, so that's the guy who I would go for. If I had – if he's gone for some reason, um, then my next guys would be probably the Gordon kid out of – I can't think of his name. I almost wanted to say Melvin. Gordon. Anthony, I know that's not right. Anthony Gordon. Um, Anthony Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Out of Washington State. Yep. Speaking of Minshew, um, another Washington State guy. Um, so that would be really interesting to see. Um, and then I also like Mason Fine. If we're going to go sixth, seventh rounders, um, the guy out of North Texas um, just really liked his game. I know the competition's a little weak, but he's got the size, just like uh, you know um, my dude uh, Montez has. And he produced quite a bit um, in North Texas with, and a lot of people say he could have like kind of a Case Keenum impact, which, you know, hey, if you can get a guy in the sixth, seventh round, he could be a starter for you, especially a quarterback for a few years and play effectively. I'd say that's a win. But that's, that's who I'm looking at on those days or on that day, rather. Yeah, the, the main one that I had was, um, was Anthony Gordon. I mean, the kid, uh, starter for one year. And good heavens. 689 pass attempts. <laughs> Almost 6,000 yards. Yeah, 5,579 5, yards, that's 48 ridiculous. touchdowns, and 16 interceptions. That's a, that's a three-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. Yeah, man, and that, uh, that touchdown he threw at the uh, Senior Bowl was pretty, man. I know it was kind of a little wacky play, but it was, it was a nice throw. It showed he has an arm and he can place the ball where he needs to. Yeah, finished uh, number one in the NCAA in pass completions, which nice. probably like isn't it. hard to do when you threw the ball nearly 700 times. But you have that many pass attempts <laughs> and you still have an 8.1 yards per attempt average. I mean, that's that's not too shabby. No, not at all. The biggest thing that worries him playing me or worries me with him playing in Tampa, the dude is 6'2", 199 pounds. Yeah, I weigh I weigh two hundred and five. Oh my god! Behind this offensive line, he he might die. I'd be like the little kid off the uh, off little giants getting just wrecked back there. <laughs> you talking about the 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 little dude that puts the tums in his mouth? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, I love that movie. The uh, Emancipation of Puerto Rico, baby. Yes. Or no, the annexation. Annexation, yeah, annexation. You're going to say emancipation. Wow, whoops. Uh, <laughs> it's all the same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the other name that I did have down was was your dude out of Colorado, Stephen Montez. Um, again, big guy, big arm. Uh, but, you know, again, these guys that we're talking about, their projects, their projects, right. you know, we could, you know, we could definitely see from or Hertz or Eason, you know, those those kind of guys being a starter, you know, by their second year in the NFL, whereas, you know, guys like Montez and guys like Gordon, you know, it may be three, four, five years before they get to crack a, a starting lineup. And the Bucks just don't have that kind of time. So I do firmly believe any any quarterback that they draft is definitely happening. Uh, if not day one, then very, very early day two. That would make the most sense. Um, yeah, and if they get somebody in the rounds, you know, five, six, seven, then it, there's going to have to be drastic circumstances. You're talking Winston throwing 20 picks by week five and or getting hurt, which, God forbid, you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt um, for that guy to actually come in and step in and, 
even like you were talking about earlier, if there's no guarantee, he would even beat out Ryan Griffin for the backup spot. So, I mean, Ryan Griffin's only what 1.6 mil this year. Um, so, you know, he's a cheap, he's a cheap replacement. And then also Blaine Gabbard as well, if he doesn't retire. So, yeah, if they take somebody that they want to actually have an impact on the team and could maybe even push Jamison Camp, who knows? Um, I've got somebody, many people are going to come after me on Twitter after saying that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that would definitely be the best strategy for them. But we're in agreement. Trade the entire full full Mike Ditka for Ricky Williams trade to get Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, dude, one hundred percent. I mean, throw in like, next I was first. I, yeah, and the next year, and then you know, let's go ahead and throw in a couple players as well. Let's just just get Burrow in here. Let's do it. And maybe maybe we can like deal for some kind of package to get Ed Orgeron in as well. I know Bailey would definitely love that. I I don't even could oh could they hire him <laughs> to be the um who is it McVeigh McVeigh that has the the coach that is only there to keep him on the sideline to keep him from wandering yeah. off the <laughs> onto the field we just need uh Ed, you know good old Ed to to do that for BA because that would be magical yeah and that also help keep BA's blood pressure down which is a win for all of us especially Mrs Arians. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He would be the designated screamer, the guy that just <laughs> yells at the ref so Bruce doesn't have to do it. <laughs> Come to Tampa, Edo. See, we just we just made the campaign right there. I mean, I don't know how he wouldn't want to come here after that sell job that we just put out there. Right. Yeah. We are gonna pay you a ridiculous amount of money to just scream at officials. And just say, let's go, Joe. Uh every other play. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Evan, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I will I will finish with this. If this is the route the Buccaneers go, that they they go with the vet bridge quarterback and they draft a guy, who's the vet bridge quarterback that you want to see come to Tampa? Man, you know, and we were talking a little bit about, a little bit about this. Well, you were mentioning about it earlier. Earlier, I'm I'm actually starting to get on the Teddy Bridgewater train, man. I really am. Um, I like what he did under Sean Payton. Now, granted, I know that Sean Payton being Sean Payton, most of it is, um, but he looks healthy. He's mobile. Um, he makes good decisions. Um, Tampa Bay's gonna have a lot of weapons for him, so it's easier for a maybe not so special quarterback like Bridgewater. He's good but it's easier for weapons to elevate the quarterback. So you'll have plenty of those. Um, I would I would like to see – and plus he'll be cheaper um, than all the other guys. Um, his market value is at like $20 million right now, which is $7 million less than Winston, about $7 million less than uh, Gordon, $7 million less than Rivers, and then about $10 million less than Breeze and Brady. Um, so I, I would like to, I would like to see Bridgewater in there. That's, that's my guy. God, there's so many people going to come after me for that too. <laughs> I would honestly be surprised if Bridgewater is the guy, if they do draft a quarterback. Cause I think if you sign Teddy, he's going to be your quarterback for at least the next five years. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah, I kind of screwed that up, didn't I? So oh, no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's definitely still valid. Um, no, yeah, but, but adding in, put, 
put it in the full context. Yeah, sorry, I, I kind of left, left out some context. So going in that full context, because that, that's important stuff, um, Philip Rivers, that's who I'd like to see in here before before the other two. Um, I know that sounds crazy. He had a really bad year last year, but I just like him as a player. Um, I know Brady and Breeze's arms looked bad last year, and so did Rivers, but I think out of the three of them, he's only 38. The other two are, what, 41? So um, he's got a few years left on him, less than they do, and that's who I'd like to see. If Tom Brady comes to Tampa Bay, does Chris Godwin give up his number? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. He'll go to he'll go to thirteen. No, he can't go to thirteen. Uh, I don't know what he'd go to actually, <laughs> but yes, he gives it up definitely. Cause see, Bailey Chris and I, cool like that. Chris is totally cool like that. He'd totally give it up. Bailey and I decided that Tom Brady would come in and just wear number seven. There you go. What about three? <laughs> no, not three. <laughs> Bailey said that too. Not three. No. <laughs> he'll wear seven because that'll represent you know how many championships he will have won after 2020. Uh, I like it. I like it. What if he uh, What if he did 16 just to troll Manning? So whenever somebody says, yeah, 16 is the GOAT or something <laughs> like that, that would be hilarious. <laughs> People are going to think Brady when they say that. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, Evan yeah, certainly that hurt, that, hurt, that, hurt, that, hurt, that hurt to say that as a Vols fan, by the way. <laughs> I like, I like heart, like started stinging as those words left my, my mouth. It was, it was quite an odd experience. Yeah. I don't think David's going to appreciate the uh, former Wolverine love that we've been giving on this podcast the past couple of days. Uh, well, he'll, he'll be all right. People Mr. Forget- West Coaster. He'll be okay. Yeah. People forget Tom Brady went to Michigan and got benched wild, wild scenario. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, buddy, thank you so much for jumping on with me. Always appreciate it. Of course, man. Thanks for having me, as always. All right. And, of course, you can check out everything Evan and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you check out the uh, the Finding the Next Shaq Barrett. I'm not sure what the exact title is going to be for that, Evan. But Evan's been doing a deep dive here for a couple of days and, and is going to throw out some prospect na- or some potential free agent names that uh, all of you are going to want to keep an eye on. So make sure you keep an eye out for that over at Bucks. Nation. Make sure you are following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at Evan underscore Winner, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your voicemails to 813 444 5841. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. We thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. 